Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is 18-1 UFC bantamweight contender. I'm talking about Jimmy Rivera. Jimmy, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. What's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. And you know, it's not often that I get to talk to guys that are 18 and 1. So, you know, before we talk about your fights, I want to take it back a little bit. You know, talk to me about growing up because, I mean, you obviously grew up a winner. You know, talk about your mentality and where you came from and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I grew up uh, I grew up in a small town not far from the border of New York State and Ramsey, New Jersey. And uh, I got into actually the martial arts and Tiger Showman's actually since when I was like eight years old just because I was getting bullied. It was a, I moved from one town to another. I was like a new kid in town. And I always wanted to do martial arts. I was always into like, you know, Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, shit like that. So uh, I got really into it. I started training at eight. I started competing. And, you know, you were like, you know, that win ass. Like, I, you know, when I was younger, I didn't win as much. But, you know... Being, uh, being a martial arts and being in the martial arts all the time, you know, always taught me not to give up, have a lot of self-discipline. And as I got older, I started competing. And then, you know, one day led to another. I, I was always teaching first and always was helping out. I became a black belt at, like, an early age of 10. And from there, you know, I would help out with classes. And I would take my classes at night at night with the adults. And um, from there, you know, I uh, by the time I was 13, I started working and teaching the kids and children. And uh, helping out with the adults and taking my classes here and there. And, and then when I was able to start competing, it was about, I want to say, 15 or 16. I did a couple, like, they call it junior fighters, just a couple, you know, amateur kickboxing fights. And then once I was, you know, of age 18, I started doing MMA, amateur MMA and uh, kickboxing. Um, I mean, the first year from 18 to 19, I went 11 and all, 4 and all in kickboxing. I won a title. And then 7 and all in MMA and won a title. And then... From there, I kind of just looked at my coach. I was like, you know, can I go pro now? Can we, can we start doing that? I said, yeah. And one day led to another, and it was, you know, it's unbelievable to see where I'm at now and how hard work pays off. Yeah, and you said you're eight years old when you started martial arts. So, I mean, are your parents martial artists? Did they encourage you to get into this? Just talk about how an eight-year-old starts his martial arts journey. <laughs> my mom wanted to get me more disciplined, and, you know, and, you know, a lot of times bullying is never reported from kids. I never told my mom about it. But I, I was always into, you know, Mr. Miyagi, Karate Kid, all that stuff. So I was like, you know, maybe this will help. You know, as a little kid, I'm like, I always wanted to do it. And I'm like, this, this could be really cool. I remember taking my first class, and my instructor was actually Filipino, my sensei, uh, my first sensei. And I was, he was Filipino, and I was like, wow, this is just like Karate Kid. The guy's Asian and all this is freaking awesome. And I took class, and I loved it. And actually, my mom's a single mom, so at the time, we actually really couldn't afford it. So we, you know, we made a deal, and she begged uh, the, the sensei, the owner at the time, you know, could we help out and not pay whatever I could pay? And we would help out around the school, you know, clean and stuff like that late at night or on the weekends. And, uh, you know, she would pay, like, a certain month for month. And then, you know, one day led up to another, and my sensei realized he had, like, you know, someone there who was going to, you know, be very dedicated. And I was always there, like, an hour before class just to watch the class before me because I was in beginner class when I was a kid, and there was intermediate, so I would beg my mom to to take me, you know, there early, and then, you know, it really helped just at home, you know, I got in a couple of bullying situations where I was able to defend myself, and my mom was like, you never told me about it, and I was like, you know, I was scared to tell her, and um, I was just really able to focus, you know, and really able to better myself through the martial arts, because my mom was always working, she was never home, and I didn't have a father figure in life, so it really helped in the long run. Well, I want to personally thank your mom, because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be talking to you right here, right now, 
I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that too, right? So, uh, yeah. you know, it's funny, man. So you said you started when you were eight years old. Now, with a lot of guys I have on the show, you know, they get into some street fights, and then they realize, hey, I can't be fighting on the streets. I need to go to a martial arts gym. I need to get disciplined and have sanctioned fights. Now, with you, you started at the martial arts gym at a very young age. So did you happen to get into any street fights on the side? Um, I mean, a couple times in, like, like middle school, like two or three times because I was getting, I was getting bullied. It was just one kid. I remember just was one bully. I got in a fight, and after that, I was fine in high school and stuff like that. But there's been a couple times outside of high school, like growing up as an adult, like like eighteen, nineteen. I got in a couple fights just because you know I'm a little guy. I'm not tall, five four, and you look to see a little guy they want to pick on and stuff like that. But plus, you know, there was at a certain age, you know, especially twenty one, where people were drinking, or even twenty and nineteen, going to house parties and stuff like that. You know, people got beer muscles and they wanted to test you and this and that. And I've been in like a couple fights. I remember the last fight, I think it was 21 or 22, the very last fight I ever had. Uh, I was at a party. It was just a, a regular house party. My friend was dating someone that had a, gra a graduation party. And he's a little younger than me, so I told him I would go. And basically one thing led to another. And I ended up beating the crap out of this kid. He was like 6'2", maybe 230. Big, big guy. He was like 19 or 20 at the time. I was think I was 21 or 22 at the time. And, you know, I just ended up, you know, double-legging him and just ground and pound the crap out of him. And uh, I was the last fight I really got into. It was... You know, it was just, he really did a lot for me to do that because, you know, as I got older, you know, obviously fighting's not smart, you shouldn't fight. You know, anytime I did get in a fight, it was to defend myself, but there was that one time where I was just like, you know what, let's just go outside, let's handle this like man and go outside, and, uh, you know, I had to take care of business like that. Yeah, absolutely, and I can relate because, you know, once you do start training martial arts, less people start messing with you because they notice that confidence that you do have, but the fact that this guy was still willing to, you know, test you a little bit just tell me what he did that made you have to go kick his ass it was you know what it was uh she had a lot of her friends there and it was a small group of my friends maybe like six people and she had like 20 other people there it wasn't a huge party and he just kept saying one thing after another to my friends making fun of us it's not i was like well bro you don't have to do that we're, like, we're not trying to start anything we were really towards ourselves we we're just hanging out i was just really there for my friend who was the girl that had the graduation party he was dating her at the time and he just basically, you know, said, you know, suck this, kiss my ass, call me a whole bunch of names. Where it got to a certain point, I was like, you know what, fuck it. You know, I'm tired of this. I went outside, and he actually trained at another school, and I knew his instructor because he was like a local school that was competing with Tiger Showman's, you know, and it was martial arts. So his instructor was like, I apologize, I kicked him out of my school, this and that. And uh, I just basically, you know, it was one of those guys that, like, eventually, if you keep talking shit and you talk shit to the wrong person, you're going to get your ass whooped. You don't know everybody. You don't know their background. You don't know about their life. That's why, you know, one of the things is not, be, you know, being humble and being cool. I give everybody the benefit of doubt and cool everybody until they cross, you know, cross my path. You know, like, you always hear, you know, don't mistake my, you know, my kindness with weakness. And that's how I am. I'm always kind to everybody. Once they cross that path, that's it. I'm, you know, you're dead to me. I won't bother you with you. You know, as an adult now, older, I'll step away from the situation, especially now that, you know, I'm with UFC now, and even coming up, I'm like, you know, it's not worth it to fight, because at the end of the day, I'm going to get in more trouble than them. So I always try to keep myself out of that predicament, too, and if, if it came to where I need to defend myself, or if there's someone hurting me or hurting my friend, then I would step up, and I would do it, but always out of self-defense, you know what I mean? Never trying to pick fights. I'm not one of those guys. I'm in it to hang out with my family, you know, teach, and spend time with my good, close friends, and that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone that missed that, 
he was talking about before he was in the UFC, you know, before he was a pro fighter that gets paid to fight, okay, guys? So you just need to understand that. But I got to know, Jimmy, I mean, you know, a five foot four guy, you know, taking out a six foot two guy was, uh, you know, what were the words on the streets after that? Were people like, watch out for the little dude? Yeah, it was funny. Like, everybody was like, I was getting a couple of text messages people just some, I knew like three people from her group of friends they're like oh my god I couldn't believe that this and that my one friend that uh, you know I was talking he was like dude you beat the crap out of in front of his girlfriend I'm like Ooh, oh well, that sucks for him he should go to Tiger Showman's then and then you know the kid you know it happens with every bully situation then the kid friend requested me on Facebook and Instagram and wanted to go to be my best friend afterwards and wanted to train with me this and that I said yeah you can come and train and I would wait for him he never showed up I was like, yeah, come train. I was going to give him another whooping again. But this time, you know, with gear on and on the mat in the right way. But he never came and trained. And, you know, he's still friends with me on Facebook and, and Instagram because this story got brought up maybe not too long ago, which was funny. And I was like, well, I'm still friends with him. And I looked. I'm like, yeah, he is. And I'm like, it's funny. But, you know, it is, it is what it is. You know, always have the person that's going to be a bully that thinks they're better than them. And either he's going to get his ass whooped and become your best friend, he's going to get his ass whooped and leave you alone, and hopefully he learns a lesson and stop messing with people he doesn't know. Be nice to people, you know what I mean? There's no reason to be mean unless they're being mean to you, you know what I mean? Then you just kind of push them to the side and just, you know, don't pay mind to them and you go on your way. Absolutely, and Jimmy, I'd be willing to make an $1,000 wager that he never messed with you ever again. No, he never messed with me ever again. I told you, he wanted to be my best friend afterwards, that was it. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes, man. So, you know... Are you from New Jersey or from New York? I'm from Jersey. I'm from Jersey. Born and raised in Jersey. I was born in Passaic. I grew up um, most of my life in Ramsey and graduated high school from there. I did a little bit of college and uh, I live right now in Patterson, New Jersey, but my hometown is Ramsey, New Jersey, so I still go there and see my friends and stuff like that. So that's why anytime it says, you know, hometown, I always put Ramsey, New Jersey, because that was where I've been most of my life, and eventually I hope one day I will, you know, go back, maybe buy a house after I'm done fighting, after I'm done with everything. Yeah, and talk to me about your wrestling credentials, because it's kind of a, you know, peculiar situation with you. You know, I look you up, and it doesn't say any credentials at all, but then I go back and watch your fights, and I know, and you know, exactly what you're doing in there with the wrestling, so how'd you learn how to wrestle, man? Just in high school. I did four years in high school. My boss at the time made me. He's like, you should do something else. Everything else took a lot of time because I didn't like taking away from my martial arts. So I did wrestling, and I would basically practice right after school, and then head to work and work and, and train too again. And so I got my boss. He was like, yeah, get into it. And I ended up loving it. I had a fun time. Um, I broke two New Jersey State records as a senior. Was captain by junior year. Um, made first team all league. You know, I had a lot of accomplishments during wrestling, and I had the opportunity to go to Connecticut and wrestle for a college. And my coach, you know, put in the word. And the guy really wanted me because of my worth ethic. But I said, you know, I'm not really. I want to stay local. I want to stay training and being able to be in the martial arts. I don't want to leave that because um, I, I, you know, I, in my mind, in my head, I really wanted to fight to get into competing. And uh, from there, and then that's it. You know, I do have an awesome wrestling coach. His name's Rusty Reed. He was an All American from Boston U. So I know I, I worked a lot with him, especially before the Ultimate Fight. I worked a lot with him in general, just probably lessons and everything. And you know, I that wasn't one of my strongest as, you know aspects. You know, going into fighting, like I was good at it, but I wanted to be great at it. So I, you know, I, I got better at it, and I worked my ass off. This is the same thing with kickboxing, and same thing with grappling. You know, jujitsu. I just I keep working at it because you can't be a fighter just as good at one thing. You got to be good at everything. You know what I mean? I, I can't. You can't be successful 
told just one thing. You see a lot of fighters, they're good mostly at all around, all the champs at least. You know what I mean? They're good all around. It's really important to be able to be good, not to just rely on your wrestling, just rely on your grappling. Yeah, and I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, one of the things we are going to talk about on this show is how, you know, in your earlier fights, you know, you were known for your wrestling, for your top control. You'd submitted guys with some unorthodox submissions. And then towards, you know, the latter part of your career where you are now, now you're starting to knock guys out and you're getting really confident with your knockout power. But before we talk about that, just so I know officially, so that next time I break down one of your fights, I get my facts straight, you are a state champion wrestler, correct? No, I'm not a state champion wrestler. <laughs> oh shit! Okay. I, no, I just I placed in regions and districts, and that's it. Never, never. Uh, I was close to going to states, but I never made it to states. I just uh, I did really good wrestling, and I did a lot of work after high school. Was uh, my uh, a wrestling coach? I did a lot of one on ones and work with them to get better with my wrestling. No, I wish I was a state champ. That'd be awesome. Well, you know so, what. I commend you regardless because, you know, a lot of guys, they have that goal of being that state champion wrestler. And if they don't get it, they might be like, well, fuck, that's it for me. And, you know, with you, it went further than that. You know, you tried out for the ultimate fighter and it didn't go your way. And right then and there, you, you could have been like, hey, you know, maybe this isn't for me. But you didn't do that. And another guy that did something similar who I have a ton of respect for is Frankie the Answer Edgar. And you actually got farther than he did on Tough. He didn't even get a chance to fight to get in the house. They, they turned him down right away so he could have been like fuck maybe i'm not cut out for this then he goes on to win that ufc belt so in your case you actually got the chance to try out for the house you didn't make it but hey now you're in the ufc doing big things right yeah yeah you're, that's right this you, gives you a showing that have the discipline not giving up is a very important thing in life and if you don't have that you're not gonna make it anywhere yeah for sure so you know give a message to anyone that looks up to you like about just overcoming adversity and seeing something through till the end. You know, the, my message would be like, don't let anybody say you can't do this, you can't do that. If you work your ass off, you'll get where you want to be. Hard work and dedication it will take you further than anything in life. Absolutely. Well said, Jimmy. And, you know, you train at Tiger Shulman. We've obviously mentioned that. We know guys like Uriah Hall. Who are the other guys that train there? And just talk about, you know, when you first went in there, because that's a very notorious gym that doesn't get the respect it deserves. Um, we have guys up and coming now. We have a guy, um, well, we had a couple guys over in the UFC that are, you know, still fighting. Uh, we have a Nick Pace who fought a couple times in the UFC. He was started on WC. He's one of my training partners. Louis Galdano, he's the guy with the green hair. He's still fighting too. He got cut from the UFC not too long ago, but he's still fighting. He just won his fight in September. He's going to come back and get in a fight probably in January. Um, we have a couple of up-and-coming guys. We have Shane Burgos, who's like 7-0. and We have Julio Arce, who's 8-1, who's looking at up-and-coming too, who's a great 35er. A lot of lightweight guys we got there. We have Lyman Good, who's our, one of our teammates. He's a 170-pounder. Um, we have a guy, Stephen Redman, who's doing well, 155. He actually just suffered his first loss, but I think it's anything that he was better than the guy. It's just a mental game, you know, at the end with uh, what happened with him. But uh, we have a lot of guys up-and-coming right now. Those are just where the pros, there's a few amateurs up and coming too, but they're still working way up. You know, we don't throw anybody into the pros right away. We make sure they build, you know, the biggest thing is to get a lot of fights amateur and then build from there and get all the experience they can amateur and then go eventually go pro. I have one of my training partners who I trained with today, his name is Mike Trigiano, and he went, I think it was kickboxing and MMA combined, he went about, I think, maybe 17-1. and one. He went, 
in, uh, in his record. So he's actually going pro in January, so I'm looking forward to that, helping him out, getting ready. He'll be a nice, a real good 145-pounder. So, I mean, people are up and coming. It's just, you know, who wants it the most? Who wants to put the work in? Our coach, uh, Danny, uh, Sheon Danny Shulman, is not going to throw anybody into any fight unless they're prepared for it, you know? Yeah, and, you know, speaking of that, you know, with your career, there's been a real logical progression. Obviously, you go 7-0 and as an amateur, including wins over, you know, guys that were on the Ultimate Fighter. But then you make your pro debut, and, you know, you're taking on guys that are UFC veterans, you know, guys like Willie Gates, guys like Jared Papazian, and you compile a 16-1 and record before you make it to the big show. So just talk to me about how invaluable that experience was before you made it to the Octagon. The experience was so important, you know what I mean? I got so many tough fights out of it. I was able really to get better from it. It was like doing amateur all over again. It was like doing amateur, getting ready. And, you know, it was pro, but it was like amateur, you know, fighting-wise, if you think about getting to UFC. So when I was getting to the UFC, first thing, I was around it a lot because my friends were already in the UFC. So I wasn't scared. I didn't have the jitters at all, which is a bigger arena. That was it at the end of the day. So a lot of people ask me, especially with my fighting style, are you scared? This and that. I can't wait to get in the freaking case and fight. You know, I mean, I already been around it all, and all the fights beforehand would just help me get better and get me where I need to be now, where I want to be. All those fights, you know, I, you know, I started out actually my first two fights. You know, I didn't want to cut weight. I'm, like, I'm Italian Puerto Rican. I like to eat rice and beans and chicken parm. So my first two fights were at 150. And my first fight at 150, I beat the guy. The second time, I lost by Swiss decision. The guy, I, I was 150. I came into the cage like 152, 153. And I remember his name, he came at like 170. I was like, holy shit, that guy didn't look like that yesterday. And I didn't realize the whole game, like you have to cut weight and do this in order to fight these people because these people are cutting down for weight. So I learned the hard way. You know, I'm a Rivera. I learned, we always learn the hard way with stuff sometimes. And I learned the hard way that I need to cut weight. So after that, I stayed at 135. So right now at 135, not counting the you know the first two fights, I'm 17 and all. You know what I mean? So I I learned the hard way that I needed to cut weight, and then was all that experience and all those fights and fighting all those tough like Carson BB, you know, uh, Cody Stevens, all those guys were tough fights just helped me prepare when I got into UFC to push through and fight. You know, Pedro Munoz was a tough one of the I mean, one of the toughest fights I ever had because not only that he was tough and kept fighting, but he. He had he was smart. He had good you know, he had a good you know game plan, I wanna say in a way. He was a smart fighter, he wasn't no chump. You know, he lost to Rafael Sancios by uh, split decision too, and he's ranked like three or four right now. So it wasn't like some schmuck guy. He was tough tough competitor and he was you know, it was a great great opportunity to fight him and get in there. For sure, and Pedro Munoz is absolutely a stud, and we're gonna talk about that fight in just a second, but you know, I got to know a couple more things, man. You know, obviously, we we're talking about how you got all that experience, but I want to know what it was like getting that experience at such a young age, man, because you're only 26, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a difference. I was 26 or old. I, I mean, it was good. It was good. You know, I just, my whole goal is after the Open Fighters, just keep working, and eventually, hopefully, I get back in the UFC, and I'll get in there and get the call and start fighting for them. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is that it, man? I mean, it just, that was that was the whole thing. I mean, how old were you when you had your first pro fight? Nineteen. Damn, son. All right, so you've been, yeah. you've been grinding a long, long time. So then finally, yeah. you get the call and you take on Marcus Brimage, and it's interesting because you were actually an underdog for this fight. Just for the record, a little side note. You know, you came through as the underdog for both your UFC fights. So I want I want to just personally thank you for that. But back back to this, man. You know, Marcus Brimage, he is a uh, 
you know, he's a well-known guy. You know, he's beat Maximo Blanco. He's beat Jimmy Hedis. He's been in there with Conor McGregor. The guy is as experienced as you can get inside the octagon. And, I mean, you know, were you were you thinking, like, hey, I'm going to go out there and knock him out? Or were you expecting a three-round war? No, I was going to go there knocking out. I saw him get knocked out. When you get knocked out, your chin's never the same. Especially, it wasn't his first time getting knocked out. I was like, I'm going to go. I saw him in a Cody Stevens fight, and he got hit a couple times with a jaw. He was rocked a little bit. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to knock him out. You know, I mean, Pedro Munez, I was trying to knock him out. It was, it was Marcus, I know I was going to knock him out. You know, no, no, nothing against him, but I was going to land something on the button and, and go from there. And I got it in a minute, minute and 29 seconds. I was so happy. You know, first UFC fight, debut, get a knockout. It's an unbelievable feeling. Definitely. And like we were briefly alluding to earlier, you know, in, in your first couple fights, you know, you were known for getting those decisions, you were known for getting those submissions, but in your last three fights, well, actually, besides the Pedro Munoz fight, the last three before that, you were knocking dudes out, so, I mean, was it a matter of, you know, being more confident in your striking, or was there something particular that you changed, which was, you know, letting you get those knockouts? You know, we, we spoke to Sean Shell before, and he's like, I want to see some finishes, and he said that to me, so he's what has to contribute, has to say thank you to him, he contributed to the knockouts. I trust in my hands. My coach is saying, listen, you got to trust your hands. you got to believe in them. Working my ass off to get better with them. And uh, just starting to put stuff on the button and starting to land shots. I'm like, yeah, I got the power. i got to keep using it. You know, I hit, I, uh, last November I fought, I finished with a body shot. And that was the end of the fight to Anthony Darnell. And then Carson B was literally, what, 16 seconds. I just called him right on the button. It was a hook punch, and that was it. And then uh, Marcus Brimmer, same thing. We were going, and I called him with a nice right hand. And that was it. It was just really trusting your hands and going in there and, if, listen, I think one. I think one of the biggest things people mentalities. My mentality is, you know, if I'm gonna get knocked out, I'm gonna get knocked out trying to go for the knockout. You know, what I mean, if I try to go for a knockout, I get knocked. All right, it happens. What am I gonna do? You know, what I mean, it's gonna happen no matter what. You know, what I mean, you're gonna get rocked. It happened to me with Pedro. I was going for the knockout, and then he rocked me, and then you know, we brought back, and we're going back and forth. It's gonna happen, but from there, you know, you can't be scared. You gotta go in there and fight. You know, some guys don't do that. And it's really a head game at the end of the day. You gotta, you know, you gotta go in there. It's a fight. You gotta get hit. It's okay to get hit and keep going. Yeah, and you knock out the veteran Carson Beebe in you know very short order, and then you get the call to fight in the big show. What was it like getting that call, Jimmy? It was unbelievable. I actually got the call on my birthday, and um, I was just so happy, so astounded. I'm like, shit, I gotta lose weight, and get get down, and get ready. <laughs> like, I was super happy. It was an unbelievable feeling, and you know, I, there's nothing in the world I could say when they get that call, and then getting the win was even better. Yeah, and speaking of your birthday, wasn't it like yesterday or the day before or something? No, my mom threw me like a congratulation party birthday thing because I didn't really get the chance to enjoy my birthday. I fought in July, and we didn't really do anything after the fight. And then, I mean, I fought in July and June 29th for my birthday, so I really get anything there. My mom really wanted to do something for me. Then I had another fight. She was like, all right, well, I'm doing something after this fight. And she completely surprised me. I had no idea. It was a, like a little bit of a, a birthday because I didn't get to celebrate with my friends and my family. And it was a congratulations win for my last fight. And it was awesome. It was great having my friends and family there. Well, you have a really incredible mother to celebrate, you know, your birthday almost six months after the fact, man. So, you know, props to her, man. Give her a hug next time you see her. Well, thanks. Yeah. So uh, next up, you know, obviously we talked about Marcus Brimage and that, you know, a lot of people thought that was going to be a tough fight for you. Hence the fact that you were the underdog there. I, I never had a doubt, you know, 16 and one Jimmy Rivera. I knew you were going to go in there and do your thing. But the very next fight against Pedro Munoz. Now, I know for a fact this guy is a tough, 
son of a bitch. I mean, obviously, he's the RFA champion. You know, his UFC debut on short notice. He goes three hard rounds with Rafael Asuncao, the number three guy in the world. And one doesn't simply go three hard rounds with Rafael Asuncao in their UFC debut. And then his next two fights, he finishes the guys in, you know, relatively short order. So everyone was saying this is a very tough matchup for Jimmy Rivera, and it was, man. You know, the first round, you go out there and you do your thing, and it almost seemed like, hey, you're about to knock out Pedro Munoz, but he actually showed his championship heart. So I got to know, Jimmy, I mean, were you surprised how damn tough that guy was? I was surprised. I was I was really surprised how tough he was. I knew he was a smart fighter, but I was surprised how tough he was. And, you know, after by the, like, by the, after the first round, I'm like, all right, we're, this is going to go in distance. Second round came, I'm like, damn, I got to win. You know, I was... I wasn't sure, and there I was like, I wasn't sure if I win or not, you know what I mean, my, my coach is, I don't remember my coach is saying I won the round or not, but my coach is like, he won the first round, the second round was close, but I think he won it, so we got to win this third round, I don't remember, I was just like, shit, I'm losing both rounds, I got to go in there and freaking keep going and try to knock him out, and then after the fight, you know, I was like, I was a little upset with myself because I didn't get the finish, but I, I can't be that upset with myself because that dude is freaking tough as nails. He's unbelievably tough and unbelievably a good fighter. And so it was like, you know, at the end of the day, I watched the fight again. And I'm like, I saw a couple of things I could have done a little bit more, a little things to fix. So now I'm just back on the drawing board working, uh, working, working at it, trying to fix those things and to just keep better, just keep getting better as a fighter. Now, you don't have to answer this question, but in my opinion, that was the fight of the night. But obviously they gave out, you know, Four performance bonuses. Did they uh, did they take care of you a little bit under the table there after that fight? Um, nothing I know of. Sometimes they do. I you know it's all on time and stuff. So not that I know of anything right now. Maybe they might throw me something later. Who knows? <laughs> well, for everyone listening, you know, usually it takes them about you know three weeks, maybe four weeks to send it. So you know, hopefully you got something coming in the mail, Jimmy, because you deserve it. That was a fucking hell of a fight, dude. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. So I got to know, you know, in that second round, how hurt were you? Um, he, I, it was weird. It was like, he hit me with a good shot. Like, oh, that's a good shot. And my foot was off some reason. I don't know, man. Maybe my brain told me to put my foot there or what. We were laughing about it. So right, right when I felt like, right when I kind of dropped, I like, did a, sp- a spin. Like, I was fine. Like, I knew my, my, where my whereabouts were in my surroundings. Even when I went and grabbed his leg, and I was like, damn, oh, I'm looking on top of him. I was so happy, but he bounced right up. He didn't want to be on his back in, like, a north-south position. But I was, I was fine. It was a good rock. I was like, it was a good shot. But it, didn't, it, like, it wasn't anything that put me out or anything like that. I was like, oh, that was a good shot. You know what I mean? He had another one like that in the round. It was like, oh, a hit. Well, that was a good shot, but I was fine. Like, I had my wits with me. It wasn't like I didn't know. I, I remember one fight before UFC, I got hit. There's 30 seconds of time I didn't know of in the fight. I thought I just got hit and got back up. But no, my coach was like, you were gone for like 36. You were on the ground. You were working still. And I had no idea what happened in those 30 seconds. All I know is I got up. I went back to my corner. Like, you okay? You okay? It was the first round. I'm like, I'm fine. Then I watched the fight the next day. I'm like, oh, shit. 30 seconds. I was counting. I'm like, that's 30 seconds. I did not know what was going on. That was, that, it wasn't like that with the Pedro fight. So I was like, thank God, you know. But, um. I was rocked, like, you know, good shot. Like, wow, well, it was good, and then I just kept going. Hey, so what fight was that that you were just talking about? Because I'm going to go back and watch it. Sidemar or Sidekio Honorio. It was in World Series of Fighting. Okay, cool. And, you know, another thing about the mentality of getting rocked with a big shot, you know, I... All, my whole experience is sparring in the gym, you know, with some good guys. I've never fought inside the octagon. So I got to know, when you get rocked with that shot, is it like, 
oh shit, I can't take one of those again? Or is it like, oh yeah, motherfucker, you want to hit me with that? So yeah, motherfucker, I'm going to fucking hit you back. <laughs> That's the shot. They're like, oh my god, like, well, look at your face. Or some, someone was asking something like, well, you hit me in the face. That's why I hit back. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I have that mentality of, you know, you're going to you hit me, I'm going to hit you fucking harder back. You know, that I, I, you know, I guess it's got, you got to be a little mean, you know, especially in the cage. <laughs> so what does it take to break Jimmy Rivera? Um, I don't know, uh, gun or something? Who knows? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know yet. I, I haven't, you know, I, I had, this camp was a hard camp of, you know, being pushed and having ups and downs, um, training for the fight. You know, I mean, some days you just have those bad days and, but I, you know, just learning as a martial artist, again, getting back to my roots of being the Tiger Showman to learn from my senses and instructors and coaches. So you have that bad day, but, you know, you'll feel better at the end. and You'll learn the most from it. You'll have that one day you don't want to train, but you go and train and you get the best work from it. Yeah, man. And after that fight with Pedro Munoz, did you think you won the fight? No, I didn't. I didn't think I won the fight. My coaches thought I won. I was like, I don't know. I don't think I won. And when they raised my hand, I was like, thank you, God. <laughs> now thank you, God. And, and then when you watch the fight, I'm like, it was it was close. You know what I mean? The second round, I kind of stand and gave it to him. The third round was close, but I think I finished was more that third round. And then going back to the stats and statistics and seeing that I landed more punches than he did. And the strikes, I was like, all right, I had to win. Now... Are you, uh, you know, was that your opinion because it was in Brazil or was it solely based on how the fight went down? Uh, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. He's a Brazilian hometown favorite. You know, it's his hometown and I'm coming around here and I'm, you know, from America and uh, the fight was really close. You know what I mean? I thought I won the first round. Second round was, you know, kind of either way. And the third round, uh, you know, the third round, uh, you know, looking back and watching the fight a couple times. He didn't really hit me all that much, and I landed a lot more shots. So it was like, you know, he couldn't win third round. I could see where they gave him the second round because he 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 uh, hit me with two good shots, and the one, you know, my footing was off, and I was completely off, and I fell, and I got back up. Another one, I rocked, and I, I felt it, but I was okay. So you know, the second round, because I rocked him too the second round, and you know, he went down to his knees, and I kept going, and you know, he got back up and kind of recovered from it. So it was hard to say the second round; it could have went either way. So they gave him that second round, but I can't see the third round going to him. Because when you're in there, you, you can't really tell. But when you're outside of it, you can tell what's going on, you know? And what goes through your head when you hit a guy, you know, as hard as you can? You give him your hardest shot, and he keeps coming forward. Keep punching him in the face, because it's just a poker face. You know what I mean? At the end of the fight, I suppose he broke his orbital opponent. So I know the shots he felt him. And uh, one, of those, one of the things my coach said, especially after the first round, was like, he's good poker face. Just keep working. Keep throwing. You know what I mean? Your shots are landing. They hurt. They're, they're working. Just keep doing it. And, you know, that was one of the biggest things I learned that fight. Someone can get hit. You know what I mean? We, and I say it all the time. And sometimes I say it to my guys that fight. You know, you know, in general, I have a couple of few students that fight, too. And, you know, you can hit them as a shot, and they can kind of, like, smile. And be like, oh, it didn't hurt, but it did hurt. Just keep going, you know? So it's kind of like a video game. You know, you're shooting a zombie. Instead of just shooting him once, when he keeps coming forward, you got to shoot him five more times to seal the deal, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice, man. Yeah, and the reason I keep talking about this kind of thing is because with other guys that, you know, don't have that winner's mentality like you do, they might take that one shot and be like, you know what, maybe maybe I want to save my brain cells. Maybe I can look for the door. Maybe I can take a way out and live to fight another day. But, you know, are you prepared to die in there, Jimmy? Um, but I'm prepared to get 
Um, it's like a Rocky movie. I'm prepared to look that bad and feel that bad and just keep going. You know what I mean? I I, I always end up watching a Rocky movie, Rocky Four, before a fight too. Sometimes, most of the time, and that's the right mentality. You just gotta go in there, you gotta fight, and I'm just I'm prepared for a war every time, and I'm prepared. I'm just gonna go the distance. We're gonna bang it out and just keep going. Like that, you know. I don't look for that. I'd rather get the knockout, a quick submission, a quick knockout. But if it happens, I'm I'm gonna go all the way. I'm gonna go the distance. I'm you know it doesn't matter. It's gonna. There's got to be a, some crazy thing to stop me in a fight. You know what I mean? I don't know what it is yet, but it's got to be something crazy to stop me. I'm going to keep pushing, and I'm going to keep hitting and keep punching and kicking back until, you know, I can't breathe anymore. Yeah, and that's what we saw. And in my opinion, there's two guys in the bantamweight division that have the potential to be world champion. And I want your opinion on one of these guys. Obviously, we got Jimmy Rivera, 18-1, and but then this other guy who I think has the potential to be a, a UFC world champion. First of all, do you know who I'm about to say? No idea. 21-0 Tomas Almeida. I want your opinion on him. Um, I think he's a good fighter. He's a very good striker. He knows how to pick his shots. That's what helps him out a lot, especially with those finishes. Um, I think I think his biggest, one of his tests so far was Brad Pickett. You know what I mean? That was a really good fight because, you know, I you know, I am not gonna say he got lucky. He placed the he placed the flying knee, that little Aldo knee. But uh, he got the knockout, but he wasn't winning that fight. You know, Pickett was winning the fight and was the better boxer out of the two. So he does he does have it, but you know what I mean, I wanna see him up against someone, you know, in the top, you know, five, top ten, see how he does, you know. And that that's that's like a real test there. You can see how he's gonna go from there, how's he gonna be as a fighter from there. So, you know, you only seen a little bit of him in this fight, especially he's a quick finisher. So it's gonna be interesting, you know, to see who, you know, how he does in you know, fighting someone top ten. What about like someone like yourself? Um I uh it'll be a good fight, I tell you that. I don't like I don't really talk smack at all. I'm not one of those guys. Um I talk all the smack in the cage, you know, I leave it out there. But uh it'll be a good fight. If I end up fighting I'm gonna go for it. You know, I mean I'm gonna try to finish him. Oh yeah, and no smack talk necessary because I got tons of respect for Tomas Almeida. The only reason I'm asking is because it's such an intriguing matchup. You know, you got twenty one and 0 versus eighteen and one, and it's like, you know, this is the UFC. No one should be protected. I want to find out who the best in the world is, and I really think that that would be a hell of a fight. You know what I mean, Jimmy? Yeah, it would be. I listen. Whatever they, you know, kind of whatever they give me, I'm hoping to fight soon. I'm hoping to fight in February, and hopefully, make this fight be in the states. So, you know, I'll see what happens. For sure. And uh, I got a couple fan questions for you, Jimmy. You ready? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Andrew the Clown Kid Lawrence, he wants to know, first of all, he says, ask Jimmy if you'll ever join me at yoga on 23rd and 2nd Avenue on Tuesday and Thursday because you coach two blocks away. <laughs> um, it would have to be when I'm not teaching. But I, I don't mind some yoga, yoga school. We do yoga stretches all the time here, too, at the end of class, but it's not like... Hot room, but yeah, I'll, I'll join him. He can always stop by. <laughs> <laughs> and he also wanted to know. He said, "Ask Jimmy Rivera if he ate the gluten-free pizza at Mozzarella's downstairs from Shulman's." Uh, I had it one, one time, like when I first started working over here before I took over the school. I had it one time. I wasn't too uh, fond about it. I was like, "Oh yeah, you weren't free." I don't know about it. <laughs> yeah, you weren't a big fan of that gluten-free, huh? Oh, I wasn't a big fan of that gluten-free. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie at all. Tell me about it. Was that bad? I mean, if he likes it, it's good for him. 
You know I mean? I just, you know, I gotta give me that regular bread. I'm, I'm Italian, so it's hard, you know? Oh, yeah, I, I feel that, brother. I feel that. So, you know, the championship belt is on the line for your weight class, and I'm talking about TJ Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz. Now, do you feel like giving me a prediction on that fight, Jimmy? You know what? It's, it's so hard. Dillashaw style is based off Cruz because he would fight Uriah Faber to get him ready for Cruz. I, I honestly, if Cruz holds up and he's in good, you know, good shape, I think Cruz is going to win. But again, it's MMA. You never know what's going to happen. But it's going to be an interesting fight. You know, a really interesting fight. And I know Cruz is hungry, really hungry. So I, you know, I, I'm going to have to go with Cruz on that fight. I'm planning on going to it and checking it out, watching the fight, going down to Boston. But it's going to be an interesting fight. I'm, I'm, you know, you, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. But it's going to be a good fight. That's for sure. And obviously, you're a fighter. You'll fight anyone. But who would you rather fight, man? TJ Dillashaw or Dominic Cruz? Whoever has the belt. Let's say TJ wins. Do you think how would that fight go down? Because you know you got him with his footwork, and you know he used to be a guy like a typical alpha male guy, where it's just a wrestler with an overhand right. But now he's got the footwork. He's got the head kicks. He's really mixing shit up. What do you think about his new uh, his evolved style? I think I, you know what it's good. It works for him. Um, I, you know what, honestly, I can see that fight going all five rounds, too, and going to the judge's hand, you know what I mean, because they both have the unique style, but you never know if they get caught, you know what I mean, I don't know how hard Bill Shaw is as a puncher, you know what I mean, we don't see him, I got to train with him once, a few years back, but as a puncher, I don't know how hard he is, because, you know, you watch him with Burrell, Burrell didn't go down, but Burrell was done, like, he was so tired, but he didn't go down, and Bill Shaw was throwing everything, and then you got Cruz, who I know if he if he plants his feet, he can punch hard. So it's it's an interesting matchup. It's interesting to have because they both have similar styles too. They both have a wrestling, the wrestling background. They both have that little switch, move and hit, and that awkward movement. So it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens that fight. I'm really I'm really excited to see what happens in that fight. What's gonna happen? How you know each other each other's gonna play out? You know you know styles make fights too, and should be really interesting. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by that matchup. Now I mentioned how. In the UFC, you know, you knocked out your first opponent and you, you stood up and banged with your second opponent. And a lot of people, they haven't seen your past fights, so they don't know about your wrestling, about your submission game. Can we expect to see some of that uh, wrestling and jiu-jitsu in your upcoming fights, Jimmy? It all depends on who I fight. You know what I mean? It all depends. It all depends who I fight and what's the game plan. It could happen. It could not happen. You know what I mean? Uh, at the end of the day, whether it's even on the ground, I always like punching someone in the face. I kind of grew into into it, especially after my couple fights of, you know, using my strikes. So you, you might be. It all depends on the game plan. When my coach decides that what he wants to do, it, it all depends, to be honest with you. But uh, you could see it. You could not. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're really digging knocking dudes out, huh? Yeah, I'm enjoying punching people in the face um, for getting paid for in the cage, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, man. So I got to know, what's next for Jimmy Rivera? Um, I'm hoping someone in the top 10 in February. That's what I'm hoping for. Anyone in particular, or you can't say it? Uh, I can't say anything yet. Um, I just got to see what happens, and hopefully it'll be, uh, it'll be good. But, you know, anyway from the top 10, anyone. I just want you know, to keep working on that ladder and keep moving up. But is something in the works, or is that just the, the spot you're eyeing? That is the spot I'm eyeing. Something's in the works to get me a fight. I'm just not sure who we at and who in the top ten, so I just kind of got to wait and see. Awesome, man. Well, we cannot wait to see what happens next for Jimmy Rivera. You know, just go ahead and give a message for your fans and give a message for the UFC bantamweight division. Um, you know, 
to the fan, I want to say thank you so much for supporting me and backing me up and all the good luck wishes and congratulations and for the weight class, you know, I'm, I'm coming for that belt. I'm coming for it and I can't wait. Yeah, well, you heard it here first, folks. As Jimmy Rivera, he's 18-1. We can't wait to see him fight again. And for all the fans tuning in to Half the Battle for the first time, you know, obviously, you can find me on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and on YouTube, and all the Half the Battle episodes are there for you to view. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and stay safe out there.